0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Changing the Climate, a show where we talk about the changing world around us and how we can make it better. I am excited to welcome my guest, Mr. Ethan Shapiro. It's me. I don't have a guest this week because you know what? (laughs) Getting people to come and do anything for you, reaching out to people, asking them to meet with you if you don't know them. It's a difficult task to um, difficult task to undertake, so here I am on my let's get the Zoom call up now. I'm recording on GarageBand as well. Here I am with my fourth podcast episode with guest Mr. Ethan Shapiro. So Ethan, thank you for joining us. Oh, you know, man, no worries. It's a pleasure. I'm just I'm a big fan of your show, and I thought it would be a, it would, yeah be a great opportunity to come on and talk about my business. Oh, so. Great, man. So we're going to go ahead and let... All right, I'm not going to do this the whole episode. Yeah, so basically, I'm just going to use this episode to uh, give my background in a way that's completely unscripted. So I do have a notepad. Yeah, there's a lot of words on there, but um, I'm just going to run it back, you know? Anyone who's... If you're watching, if you're watching over there on Facebook, if you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening to this later, thank you for joining us. It's an absolute pleasure to have you. Again, I am Ethan Shapiro, the climate change realtor in Boulder, Colorado. Born in Manhattan, New Jersey, or New York, excuse me, lived in New Jersey until I was 18. Um, yeah, I sell real estate now. I went to the University of Colorado Boulder, which is the best uni- university in the world, in case you're wondering. Um, but yeah, so this episode, I'm, I'm wanna, I am I'm want to talk about Thomas Meyer Realtors, also known as Climate Change Realty, which is my, uh, my LLC, my S-Corporation, well, whatever, yeah, L- S-Corporation. And... Um, yeah, again, I think this is just a great way for me to show my personality, talk about my backstory without making like a scripted video of any kind. So I love the podcast format because it's really just about talking. And the again, the idea of the show is to bring on guests and talk to people every week. And I am working on getting guests. I, I'm hoping to have the, the founder of 350 Colorado on the next episode, which I'll talk about another time. But yeah, I mean, you reach out to people; they don't answer your emails. Maybe they'll answer in a month. Maybe they answer, and then you you send an email back, and they don't answer. It's a, everything is 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 um is a challenge in life. You know, you have to really you have to really try for something if you want to get it. This real estate business stuff, it's it's tough. You know, I wake up, I grind six days a week, and um, it's it's hard to get started. And I could see why a lot of people drop out if you um if you don't have faith in yourself. That's the main thing. So why do I have faith in myself? Let's uh let's run it back to the beginning. Yeah. So I was born in Manhattan. I, I grew up in Ringwood, New Jersey, my entire life. I've talked about this on the show with Bailey and Dan and um, Darian before already, but um, yes, yeah, small mountain town, 20 minutes outside of Manhattan. We have the, some of the most amazing lakes and the state park is fantastic. It was a great place to grow up. I have friends. I've talked about my friend, Kevin Barros. I've known since I was five or, um, five or six years old. I mean, one of the most important things in my life is, is my relationships that I have with people, specifically people I've met, whatever, No, not even specifically, just relationships I have with people are so important. And that's why one of the benefits of kind of kinda having my parents stay in the same house, they still live at um, on Cheshire Lane. They've lived there for, so I'm 23, so they've lived there for 23 and a half or 24 years now, and there's really... Nothing like a, a relationship with someone you've had since you were five years old. I mean, Kevin is my, my best friend. I can call him up for anything. He's always there for me. I'm always there for him. Yeah, we when we were like 15, 16, we used to just be at each other's throats. Like, we'd fight about, you know, we're both very stubborn. We would fight about stuff all the time. I, he, but he's my best friend, and we're, we've we've been close ever since then. I mean, I could start going down the list of all my friends um, that I've made over the years. I've ha- have friends from summer camp. I have friends from Australia. I have friends from CU. Um, yeah, so that's why I'm a realtor. I don't know. I'm, I don't have really have a, an organizational thing going on. I'm kind of just talking. But um, yeah, um, that's why I'm in real estate is because it's all about building relationships with people. And that's kind of what makes you happy in life, in my opinion. All right, so let me run it back. So, I guess what I have as my number 1 bullet is I went to summer camp for 10 years. And why is that important? Cuz it was kind of the beginning. My dad, my dad went to the same summer camp. It's called Camp Poca McCrady. There is you play a lot of capture the flag, do a lot of hiking, all that kind of stuff. I went there when I was 8. So like when I was 8, first thing when I was very young, I got shipped out of home, out of my comfort zone. You're sleeping in a bunk, there's someone above you, there's someone below you. Um, the camp is great. They're always trying, you're always a- entertained, having fun, having a great time. So every summer, instead of kind of like staying at home and hanging around with my friends and family, I was shipped off to this other world. As far as I was concerned at, at eight years old. So from eight to 16, so for te- it would be, it sounds like eight, but it's really 10 summers, nine summers, actually. And then I was a counselor when I was 18. Um, For nine summers, I would leave my home and I would go up to upstate New York. I ended up climbing every single high peak above 4,000 feet in New York because that's like a club thing that they do at the camp. It's like a really big deal there. Um, Yeah, so I ended up doing that. I was not a big fan of hiking when I was young. My dad loved hiking. He would come up after summer camp and we would do trips. I did trips with Noah Shields. So, yeah, I'm a big hiking guy. That summer camp, back to getting out of the comfort zone you'd have to meet kids i'd meet kids from spain portugal you know new york california texas whatever there were pe- people from all around the world would go to this camp and you just have to learn to get by on your own sure there were counselors there was organization but i was from a very young age i was thrown into just socializing with people i don't know and being stuck literally living with them so that was a really formative experience. there's a, a very strong camp culture there. Shout out to anyone from camp who's watching or listening to this. I know Blum is a big supporter of mine, which I appreciate a lot. thank you um, yeah it, it was it's it, their their motto for the camp before it was a it, it's a uh, co-ed camp now, so it's boys camp and girls camp. but before it was that, my dad went to it uh, right as it became a co-ed camp but before even my dad went to it, the camp was started in 1903 I believe. Um, their motto was like Poco Moonshine, turning boys to men. So it was about about putting kids out of their comfort zone in nature, whatever it, be, it may be, and teaching them to be tougher boys. And beyond a doubt, that, that worked. I mean, like, I, I went there for nine years. I had some nasty interactions with people. I mean, we're, we're children. We're emotional. We're away from home. We Some of us are, are rich kids. Some of us are, poor, are poorer kids, whatever. And we'd all have to, like get along together, and I had, there were nasty kids that went to this camp, and, mate and you know, I've been told that I was a nasty kid when I went to the camp at, at certain points, well, I don't know if it was, what, 10, 11, 9, whatever, I remember I was a miserable little brat when I was 9, so I went there, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, nine years I'm growing up every summer going to this camp, spending a lot of time in the wilderness and with people, some of them I know over the years, like I mean, the Gonzalez brothers had been going there since it must've been 08, I believe. Like I grew up with those guys. Um, They're really big into hiking as well. Yeah. Just some people I'd know for years, other people, they'd be new to the camp that year. Some people were really nice. Some people were really mean. It was a really great way to Start and p- provide a foundation for me as I get on in the story of, of traveling and getting out of my comfort zone and, and learning and growing in, from a boy to a man, essentially. So that's a little bit on summer camp. I don't know how long this episode is going to be. We'll just run it back. So then I'm going to kind of fast forward. So, yeah, I'm, I have a childhood. My parents are, are nice to me, they're really great, actually. Um, but I just can't stand people telling me what to do. That's just like the way I've always been. I don't know, you call me an egoist, call me whatever I may be, self-centered. I don't I don't know if I'm self-centered or not. I just, my personality type just doesn't bode well with, with orders or commands. And I, I'm sure a lot of people can probably relate to something like that. When, so, when someone would tell me to do something, let me think of like a good example um, of like when someone would say something, but it was like obvious that I would rather do it another way. Like there were a lot of like, cookie cutter ways of doing things in school like they'd be like do one two three four do this that and i'd always be like oh this is so dumb like i could just i could just do it my way and you know probably i was often wrong a lot of the time probably couldn't see things that i i thought i could see but at the same time you know i kind of believe of course we're conditioned where you know there's nature versus nurture i'm 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 probably a a, like a, a perfect mix of my two parents i would i would assume i don't really know Um, it's hard to like be introspective and perceive stuff like that. I have done a lot of psychoanalysis when it comes to me and my family and how I've turned out the way I am, but yeah, to just not ramble and try and keep this on like a steady moving forward into now path. I just have always not like to conform, not like to follow the path. This the traditional path, get good grades, get a good job or go to college, get a good job. Uh, work till you're 65 and then die. Like that, like that never, like that was never going to happen for me. Like, of course my dad's an entrepreneur. He's a traveling jewelry salesman. I'll get into that later. But I like to like run around and explore and learn my own, get out of my comfort zone and learn in my own way. So that's what I do. Um, if that's good or bad, time will tell, I suppose. But, um, here we are now we're in high school so yeah we're gonna get fast over through all the childhood stuff that's that's enough background on that so i want to talk about three things that really have impacted me uh in the way i see the world the way i act the way i do work so the first one is i was on the um i ran track at at lakeland Uh, i started my freshman year i was never into sports my dad really wanted me to play baseball and stuff and all that and i just don't like sports i can't control the soccer ball with my feet i'm not very coordinated. But one thing I am is very driven. So when I when I joined um, the track team, I found a passion, something I could spend my time um, doing that would, would would yield really great results. So when we would train and practice, I would take it really, really seriously. When everyone else would be, like, joking around, I'd be trying to get, like, a good time, trying to, like, beat my records. I'm all about just – excuse me. I just have, like, a very big competitive nature to me. Again, a natural trait, whether it's – um. Positive or not, I suppose it's up to you to decide and time will tell, but I love to win. I love to be the best as as I can be or as, or better than everyone else if possible. But, um, what was I going to say? The, the one thing that's kind of different for me in terms of like competitiveness is I really enjoy winning at a disadvantage. Like I'm not someone who's going to cheat to win because I wouldn't like feel satisfied with that. Like sometimes I'll, like, I'll give, like when we're playing poker, like back in the day, I would like give people money if they were going to lose just cause like, and then I'd still beat them anyways. Cause I love like helping my opponents and then still winning anyways, because that just shows how good I was. Again, this is the egoist, whatever you want to call me, that this is the way I am. I I love to win and I love to, to smash people, smash it out the park. Like I love to destroy, um, so yeah, so when it came to track, my first two seasons, man, I took it really, real seriously. I trained really hard. I would run every day. I would lift every day. I got really into working out. I still work out religiously to this day, five days a week. It's an absolute pleasure. It's what makes another thing that makes me who I am is how much I love training. And I know some of the guys at summer camp would uh, would give me give me shit for that, for like loving training so much. But that's that's what I did. I love working out with the football guys because a lot of the football guys were on were on track. And um, so, yeah, so my freshman year, I trained really hard from the day winter track started until the end of the spring track season, which would be in May or April. And I trained so, I don't know, I'll just say I, I, I trained so much harder than every other freshman in Passaic County, which is where Ringwood is. Or maybe I was just gifted with like a, a, ma- a, a more mature body as a freshman, but I trained my ass off. And I, I got four gold medals in the all-county freshman um, track meet. So out of every freshman in the county, I mean, I blew everyone out of the water. The 100, the 200, the, the 400, the 4x4. I, I took home four gold medals that year. And that was great. It was great to see that hard work can really pay off. And it's possible to be the best at something. So my track career goes on. I take it very seriously. Another thing I like to say is um, the next year, because I, I kept this this work ethic, this mentality, I took it very seriously. Come spring track the next year, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is the case. I, I became the first sophomore, so second year of high school, captain of the track team in school history, I think. Usually the captains of the sports teams are juniors or seniors. We had like an election that year. And I got all my friends to vote for me. Everyone knew how serious and dedicated I was, how I won the relay or won all the, the races of the last year. I, I got to become captain my second year. I would um I would end up getting demoted my senior year, but we'll talk about that in a second. Um, Yeah, so I became captain of the track team. And yeah, I kept taking it really seriously, training really hard. I love lifting, love working out, love beating my records. My four, My 400 time went from 58 all the way down to... To 51 by the time I was a senior so yeah track was a big part of my life very competitive loved the greatest thing about track is it is a team sport you do earn points for the team but you're competing mostly against yourself you're trying to beat your own times and this this theme of of self-improvement and growth has been foundational to me my entire life I didn't really realize it until in these last three or four years but it's definitely a big part of who I am so I'll get more on high school I like to party. So like I I even say that I partied so hard in high school that I kind of got it out of my system by the time I got to college. Like, um, again, I had lived in Ringwood since I was, um, yeah, born. So I I had a lot of friends for many years. And when we got to that that age, that 15, 16, when we started doing those party activities and uh, getting into shenanigans, man, I was at the, the front of the crowd. I loved it. I mean, we would all get together and we would just, you know, do what we do when you're in high school. And we would just do the most ridiculous things. I talked to my friends about how we need to write like a book about all the funny things that have happened in uh, school. So, yeah, I, I um, my parents, um, they had their their traveling jewelry store. Um, so, yeah, my dad w- would travel for work a lot. And um, they always said no parties at our house. You're never allowed to have a party at um, your house, our house. No, no exceptions. We're going to get in trouble. You're going to get in trouble. No way. So, naturally, of course, when they left, I would I would throw a party. So, so sophomore year, I, I threw a huge party after um, some other party. We had a bunch of friends over. We got into shenanigans. House alarm goes off, uh, blah, 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 all that stuff. So, and I ended up getting in trouble. So, and then more and more parties go on at other people's places as the years go on. And then um, I threw another I've, – I've thrown several parties and it's just – I loved, I love being the person who can like organize groups of people and create an environment of just fun. Like one of the things I'll talk about when I read start with why, which I'll talk about my, my list of books that I'd recommend. And I'll make a book review uh, for my YouTube channel soon. Um, yeah. Another part of my personality, self-improvement, growth, whatever, comfort zone, all that stuff. But I really love to organize things. I'm a very organized person. All my systems are set up for my business. I enjoy it. It's fun. I'm weird like that. I like to organize my clothes, all that stuff. I like everything to be neat and clean. And I really love organizing people and being able to like spark the fire that creates something amazing. I love creating things and, and helping people to have a lot of fun. So that that goes into like how I would love to, to orchestrate parties. And if I do say so myself, I threw some of the best parties in uh, – in our, our grades history. And I'm sure some people would agree with that. Um, but anyways, as far as organizing goes, that goes on to my third thing and try and get out of high school here soon is, um, I was the director of the Lakeland morning show. So that was a bi weekly show where we would produce videos and content similar to this, I guess, not really, but yeah, I've been doing videos since I was very young. I was very interested in film editing And I was the director of the show and I would be at the helm of every single episode. And I had to organize an entire class of people to produce good content each week. And we had a crazy amount of oversight from the school department, from the school department, whatever the, the principal, they didn't like, um, my raunchier, uh, morning show content. I wouldn't even say raunchy, just like not not pc we we our first episode we tried to do there the the intro to the show is always like the more creative open-ended part and everyone i, I went up on the board the first day and i said what do you guys want to do for the opening of the first show and then like we made a list of all these ideas and the most popular idea was to do a jackass spoof so we did a jackass spoof we like had people like going around in garbage cans and jousting each other and we had jay getting his, slapped in the face with a book Um, so that was, it was like, I tried to make the show as funny as possible. And again, just like that was my thing. I, I loved creating a project, organizing people together to have fun and create something amazing. So that was high school, very competitive, very social and very into organizing big things of groups of people together to create cool stuff. I like, I like creating things. I like making things that they'll make the world a more fun or happy place. So now, yeah. So then I leave. I'm dying to get out of Ringwood because my parents are constantly telling me what to do and how to live my life every day. And I absolutely cannot stand it at this point. I'm 17, 18 finally, and I'm just dying to go out and, you know, spread my wings and find my place. So I go to the best, best university in the world, University of Colorado, Boulder. Um, what, out what did I say? I'm, I said, not a fan. Oh, right. So, um. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of, of traditional schooling where you sit in a classroom and people lecture to you and, um, yeah, just kind of tell you how to do things. Like I took a lot of leadership classes, which was just theoretical approaches to how to be a good leader. And it, yeah, sure. It's beneficial. Any knowledge you have is great, but I've uh, you can kind of feel, feel this skepticism. And again, I don't know whether it's warranted or not, time will tell. Um, this skepticism towards traditional ways of doing things, traditional ways of learning. I really firmly believe at this point, I think that, you know, starting your business and really just going at it is going to be the best way to learn rather than going to school. But this is the path my parents want me to be on. I don't regret going to it at all. The connections and I'm still in Boulder now. I love it here. I mean, this is all all the connections and the experiences I've had in school were amazing. So yeah, I hated my, my business classes, um, they were useful, no doubt about it. Um, but you know, I could have learned stuff in other ways, I think. But what I really loved were my philosophy classes, where I had a chance to just talk about big existential ideas that nobody like really ever talks about with me in a classroom forum, in a learning place where I've read Aristotle and Socrates and Kant and Mill and all these other people and I I would smash out the park. I mean, again, this is not, this is not an episode for me to brag about myself. I'm trying to give an honest account of my story, but I, it would seem from the beginning, I didn't have to put in as much effort into these philosophy classes as the rest of as most other people in the class. I just seemed to have a knack for it. And I don't know if it's because I come from an argumentative family where we're always butting heads and trying to say who's right, who's wrong, whatever. But, um, I just got a knack for philosophy. The lowest grade I ever got was in my first class, was an A minus. I got an A minus in my last class as well, but that was a condensed three week thing where I was I had been broken up with like that day and was working and was stressed out. But yeah, I got straight A's in every other every upper level, lower level, whatever. I had no problem with philosophy, and I I really really enjoy existential topics and discussions and argumentation and that's what this show is really supposed to be about is providing a dialogue or giving people a platform to just talk about their opinions and then we can kind of test them including my own and see if we can come up with better better views for ourselves okay so college great yeah so my third year i went to study abroad in australia again out of your comfort zone doing something cool doing something amazing and, um, basically again, I just kind of branched out, met new people. I met some of the best friends of my life as well, even just cause I didn't know them since I was five doesn't mean they're not still my best friends. And I'm just, I'm learning. Ooh, ooh, let me back up before I went to Australia. I did, um, birthright to Israel cause I have like a Jewish background, which means you can go to Israel for free. Did that trip. There was a bunch of drama on that trip, whatever my fault, maybe not, who knows, um, after that, I did my first solo trip where I just went from Israel. I flew to Greece and I landed in Athens. And then I just, this is the first time I was truly, I'd been out of my comfort zone, of course, summer camp and doing other things, but I was truly on my own in the world could do whatever I want. I spent a lot of time traveling. I met, um, I met several people on, on Mykonos that are, are like good friends of mine now. I had an amazing experience and it really just leaving the U S gives you perspective, not only on the U S but if you socialize with people, it will give you perspective on on who you are. So the way that people see you as a person, and I was kind of blown aback, like blown back that people kind of thought I was cool or I was unique or I was different and I was older than I, I get this a lot that I'm older than I am. I'm 23 now. People think I'm I'm much older or whatever, whatever that means is what it is. So to not, to not ramble on, let's see, not, not go on too long. Right, I have no idea how long this is yet. All right. Let's see. It's, uh, oh, it's on beats time. All right. 20 minutes so far. That's cool. That's fine. Um, I got bored eventually traveling by yourself. I, I, I would go on to travel with my ex girlfriend to a bunch of places, which was like the best time I ever had in my life. I kind of believe you do, you do, you should do that solo travel to kind of see who you are and meet new people and go on adventures. My buddy, Aslan is, is in France right now. Just, just traveling. I was just literally just on the FaceTime with him. But um, I got bored eventually. Towards the end of my trip, I was kind of done. Like I just didn't... I, it was not fun to just kind of be alone, just kind of traveling around. So I, I had asked my buddy Noah Shields, which I said in another video, do um, you have any books I should read? And he recommended this book called Margin of Safety by Seth Klarman. And I rave about this book. I'll probably rave about this book till I die. And this is, this had to be included in this episode because I really believe this book changed my life. It's just explains how to view the markets through a, a value investor's mindset. So a value investor is someone who buys a company or shares in a company f- for its for its value and not necessarily based on its price. Well, I don't wanna talk about this too, too much, but basically it's about buying stocks under value and holding them until they reach the value that you projected into the future. So basically, it's Warren Buffett, what he does. Charlie Munger, Seth Klarman, um, they they do value investing. They buy companies for fifty cents when they're really worth a dollar. And that that thick business book that I had to like stop and look up words to understand what they meant really changed my life because I realized that not only can you can you become very wealthy, like a hundred percent. But there are people who have done it and have shared their wisdom and continue uh, to do that. Like I just finished principles by Ray Dalio, where he talks about his proven, not proven, well, mostly whatever you want to call it, um, methodology for, for having success. And uh, margin of safety was similar to that. I mean, Seth Klarman's very successful hedge fund manager. So is, um, Ray Dalio. So at the end of my Greece trip, before I went to Australia, I read this book and it changed my life and I took amazing notes and the, um, The ideals, the principles of value investing ring true to me, very strong. I I believe very wholeheartedly in investing in undervalued assets. And we can do that with real estate as well, which I won't realize for years to come cool. So I get to Australia. I'm going to stay for a semester. And I live in this dorm with a bunch of people from England, America, Australia, Asia, all o- all over the world, all living in this dorm. And I was like, I was a freshman again. I was just at a brand new school. It was the freshman orientation week. I made lots of close friends that I keep up with to this day. They're my best friends. I talked, said this already. And um, yeah, so I, I, I fell in love with a girl from the UK uh, who lived in the building we uh we spent a lot of time together. We went on a lot of adventures with all our friends, um, and it was it was a great ex- like learning and growth experience and really showing me what what was important in life. Again, back to those relationships, whether they're men, women, your family. It's re- the the relationships you have in life are what you will remember. Like I, my Greece trip was was cool, but I remember the the friends that I met on Mykonos more than any. Like I watched a video in my Snapchat memories of me driving around uh, Noxos, which is another island on a quad. Like, yeah, that was cool. But it's really relationships that that m- make an impact on your life that you have like emotional connections to that you have strong feelings about. So yeah, my uh, my Australia trip was was marked by this relationship that I had that was awesome. Sure, we argued. I mean, everyone argues. We um we had some spats it happens. Um, but overall it was an amazing experience, and I'm really happy with with the way everything happened i mean yeah we we broke up when i got home which i'll get into but um it was an amazing trip in australia and i um yeah i hope she's doing really really well with everything that she's doing in england because i'm sure she'll be a fantastic success cuz she's a smart cool gal um yeah so i really again i i mentioned i was really into like working out in high school college i was really into it australia i had pass fail classes so, man, I would just pump iron, like, five days a week for two hours a day. And this is when I really, like, solidified, like, my solid workout routine that I'm still in this day. My programs are, are very strict. They're very stringent. I'm growing. I just gained, like, three pounds in the last few months, which is not too much. But for someone who doesn't usually try and gain mass, it's pretty cool. So, yeah, um, I learned a lot in Australia. I traveled on all of New Zealand, most of the east coast of Australia. We I went to Bali with my family. Um it was amazing. I, I studied finance at the University of New South Wales, which is I'm, I'm not a good math person. One of the classes I always struggled with was math. And um, it was tough. It was the hardest class I've ever taken in school. I had to struggle to pass. I think I got like a 53 in that class, which is like you pass with 50. So I had to study really hard. My, my ex had to sit in the, we would sit, she was studying for her exam. She'd have to quiz me. I mean, I'd never studied so hard for an exam, but all the, the finance knowledge that I, I learned from that class was so valuable. There was another, more management classes, entrepreneurship classes at UNSW. I was supposed to stay for a semester, but because I fell in love and I wanted to stay, I didn't want it to end. I extended it for a year. So that was an amazing experience. Then I go back to Boulder and I had so many credits. I had so many extra credits from Australia because they were pass-fail. So why not just – they were cheaper and they were pass-fail. So why not just take as many classes as I could? And I still had plenty of time to travel and do all that stuff. I come back. I shove all my, like, core classes. So the classes you're supposed to take, like, slowly over the last two years of school, I put them all into one semester so I could graduate in a semester early. So I had principles of entrepreneurship, like entrepreneurship level two, I had leadership class, I had, um, business systems management class all in one semester. Uh, this is the fall of 2018. So I go back, I move in with my buddies from Colorado again. Um, and then, yeah, like I want, we tried to do the long distance thing. I mean, it, it was like a blip, like as soon as she got home, she just was not about it anymore. So it's was like, Hey, I mean, this is the way life goes. I mean, I'm saying that now, it's not how I was, was then, but yeah. So I broke up with this girl who I was like madly in love with. Uh, we lived together for a whole year. We traveled the world together and then bam, now I'm alone back in Colorado. I'm about to finish my degree and I'm just miserable. Like I'm completely heartbroken. Don't know what I'm doing. So here's where my like adult life really starts. I'm every moment I'm sitting by myself. I feel like horrible. I feel like I've never, like I've never felt before. I'm completely empty, completely broken. So what do I do in order to try and like save myself? I go nose deep head first into work, work. So I started working. I worked at the rec center for four years. I didn't mention that I worked at the gym. So not only did I work out at the gym, but I also was a fitness technician where I would fix equipment at the gym. I dove nose deep in the work. I had five classes. I got an internship at boom shout out boomtown accelerators, which is it, um, which is a, um, an incubator that takes brand new startups, And gives them like a 12 week program. They think they give them like $8,000 or something and a bunch of mentoring. And then they have this big demo day, which I went to and I helped facilitate. So I was an intern for Boomtown. I was working 30 to 40 hours a week at the gym, which you're technically not allowed to do. You're like capped at like 25. But I, you know, I like to get around the system and do things. Whatever. I don't want to, whatever. I don't want to talk about that because that's like not allowed to do that. But I was working, I worked like 40 hours a week my entire semester i took 5 classes i'd be getting home at 9 waking up at 7 and not coming home till 9 working out again still working out 5 days a week working 40 hours a week and when i'm working sure i was still sad when i would have moments at work when i was 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 not doing anything but this all this this energy this emotional power that was was dragging me down i found a way to to spin it with my brain logically How can I use, I have all this emotion. It's boiling inside me. It can eat me alive. I can sit there and let it eat me alive or I can channel it into something. And I channeled it into work. I worked really hard the whole semester. I made lots of money, more than I'd ever made in any semester. I took all that money and I decided to uh, go back out to Europe to try and, uh, I wanted to talk to to my ex, just kind of get some more closure or see where we could take it from there. And uh, I wanted to just do my I – was, I was determined to become like a digital nomad and just kind of do whatever I want. You know, I, I'm, I, Nobody's going to tell me what to do. I'm going to live my traditional – a traditional life, make money online, all that stuff. So after that semester of work, 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 I sold everything I couldn't fit in my blue um, Jan Sport or whatever backpack. I sold all my possessions, no more worldly possessions. I sold like $3,000 worth of video games. I sold everything I could. And then p- grab my bag, and on Christmas Day, 2018, I took a flight out to the UK. Now I have several best friends in the UK as well, beyond my ex, who I went to go see, which was really cool. But after after meeting up with her again, and you know, kind of just finishing off whatever that was, which I, I needed, um, I was then again al- I had a panic attack. I was alone in the world. I had no work to do at this point. I had any any I could do anything I want. I was in London, which one of the nicest cities in the world, and I was just freaking out freaking out. Like I had the, 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 this my lowest moment in my entire life was after I saw her again and was just alone. All my friends were busy. It was the Christmas weekend or whatever. So again, so I'm in this dark place, really like just like back in the, in the beginning of the fall where like I had just been broken up with, it was like being broken up with again after seeing her in person. And it's like, What what do I do with myself? I'm I'm this was much worse spiraling down. My heart was beating I was literally having an anxiety attack. I called my mom. I didn't know what to do and then Something happened. I was just It was horrible. I was never felt so bad in my life I just picked myself up and walked into a gym and it's amazing how the choices you make, the way you choose to spend your time can so profoundly impact your emotion and your mental health. I had never felt so in pain, emotional pain in my life in that moment. And I didn't want to go to the gym, but my logical mind, knowing that in the past, the gym has always made me feel better. I went into the gym and you know, I did the hard day. I did leg day. And after I, I, I kid you not after three minutes, after my first set of, of, squat press which is like you put your legs up and you push the thing I was I was good as grand I was a hundred percent back to normal of course after the gym I um it, it, the, you know the bad emotions flood back in but it just goes to show you that the, the actions you take have an effect on your life you don't have to wallow in your sorrow you need to you need to create a plan of action to get yourself to feel better so, yeah, after that point, yeah, well, here we are We're in travel. Um, I tried to start a, a, a full-time YouTube channel as, like, a side gig where I would, like, repost videos. for. It was kind of like affiliate marketing kind of stuff. Um, I just, again, I, I actually went to Italy. I met up with my good friend Kirsten. Her family kind of took me in for the day when I really needed it most, which was great. And then I was alone in um, in Rome. So I'm, I'm in, in London. Now I'm in Rome. And I just did research on how to, you know, how to very effectively um, – start a YouTube channel. I was doing it. I, again, I dove into my work. This is, this is what, what keeps you going. What keeps you alive is having something to work on. That's why we have jobs. I used to think, oh, it's stupid. You know, money's stupid, but, but jobs give you meaning, give you purpose. And people really need that. And I think I really need that as well. And that's why I work so much now. But, um, I dove into this YouTube channel. I probably spent 300, 400 hours making, making all this content to consistently come out, but the point of it, what I learned, why I know that I'll never be a digital nomad, which is someone who just travels and makes money on the computer, is because I hated it. I hated sitting by the computer for hours. I hated working and clicking. I don't care how much money it's going to make me. If I kept going with the YouTube channel, it's quite possible I would be making a few few hundred dollars a month or whatever. But what is, is, it, is $100 a month really worth it when you're spending all your time doing something you don't want to do? And that's that's what it came down to. So I didn't want to do that. So here I am. I'm still kind of in the YouTube life a little bit. And I'm watching videos. And my buddy, Harry, he's from England. He sends me this video, this real estate investor guy. And he's like, hey, man, check this video out. You might like this real estate uh, investing stuff. So I was like, okay, whatever. I check it out. I'm like, oh, that video is cool. But then here's where things really change. And this is where the story kind of begins for my modern life is I find this video called property entrepreneur um, goes from nothing to financially free in one week. So there's this video by this guy called Samuel Leeds, where he's a property investor trainer. I went on his crash course. I've studied the heck out of everything that he's put out. I recommend his book buy low rent high. It's very simple explaining you how to get started in real estate investing and why it works. He has this video where he his he's has a lot of experience in real estate, but he strips himself of all his wealth gets a crappy car, and just drives somewhere in England, and just decides, I'm gonna learn how to become fin. I'm gonna not learn. I'm gonna become financially free in a week, and he does it utilizing all these creative real estate investing strategies that you can do using no money down. So I watch this video, and I'm like, dude, what? This guy just went because I'm you know I'm trying to find the easy way out. I'm a, i I want to live you know I want to live passive in, passive investment my whole life. I want to just. I have this this dream that I can do whatever I want. You know, I'm not going to follow the traditional path. I'm just going to find a way to make it work and make money. Um, and then I, I, I realize now that, again, works about passion and enjoying what you do, not just making money and being done. Um, but I get I get hooked. So I, I dive in. I, I spent 400 hours studying YouTube videos. I spent 600, 800 hours studying Everything this guy put out on YouTube, he has a channel with a plethora of information. He has hundreds of hours of content explaining to you all the little intricacies of how to invest in real estate in a creative way. You want to get a conventional mortgage and, and buy a single family house and, do, and keep doing that? He has advice on that as well. That's all, it's, A lot of it's in his book buy low, rent high, but his, I couldn't recommend his YouTube channel enough. He's a little bit controversial. He, he, he pressure sells at his courses. I mean, he says he doesn't, but I mean, we, we kind of psychoanalyze his entire thing and basically his whole, we went to this, Harry, my friend Andreas and I all went to this two day crash course for Samuel Leeds, where he teaches about these, these uh, property investing strategies. And the whole course is designed to get you to like move on to his like paid courses. But the, it doesn't change the fact that the information is really, really good. So I decided I was to become a full-time property investor. You know, I'm 20, I'm 21. I, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm trying to figure my stuff out. And, um, I, I, the YouTube stuff, I don't like it. I'm deciding at this point. And I found this real estate stuff's like, Oh, this is a way that I can just invest and in passively and not, not worry about it. So, I dove into my work after learning everything I decided I was going to pursue a specific strategy called rent to service accommodation. So this is essentially what most Americans would know as rent to Airbnb, which we probably have never even considered possible. So the idea is you find a landlord who owns an apartment building or a house whatever it may be use using all these specific criteria to make sure it's going to cash flow significantly. I went to every single hotel in Birmingham and asked them, Birmingham, England, because I was living in England with my friend Andreas, and I asked them what their occupancy rates are in their hotels. And then they're all telling me that 85, 90, 88 like these hotels are almost fully booked all year long, meaning there's a huge demand of people coming from outside of the city to stay there. And that's where this service accommodation comes in, because you can have an entire apartment with a kitchen and everything, sometimes for cheaper than what a hotel would cost. So my so the idea with the rent to service accommodation is you find a a unit and you and you go to the landlord and say, "Hey, I would like to pay you." a fixed rent, let's say for three to five years. So I'll sign a contract for three three years and I'm gonna pay you um, t- 2,000 pounds a month to rent this place. And they're like, that's fine, that's fine. So then, I, but I, of course, I wanna wanna be like straight and upfront. It's a business, you use a specific business contract to show that your company, I founded a company called Thomas Meyer Limited to do these specific rent to service accommodation transactions. So it'd be a, an agreement with the company to to let to lend them the, the use of the property for three years for serviced accommodation. So the person who owns the property gets that, their rent, they get their $2,000 a month for three years, doesn't have to worry about finding a tenant. and. Then I go and I turn around and I rent the place for a hundred or 200 pounds a, a, a night. So then after what 10 nights, that's 2000 pounds. So i after 10 nights, I'm even, and then another 10 nights I would make 2000 pounds profit. So it's, it's a really amazing strategy for someone who has no money to just get started in real estate, get going at it. I called probably 200 Different estate agents, as they're called in England, which is would be known here as real realtors or real estate agent offices, and tried to find properties. I found a property. I got in there. the The landlord was okay. The property manager okay with what I was doing. The building manager, i.e. I, the person like the HOA who owns the unit where I was looking, would not consent to me doing this. So I ended up not going ahead with the deal. And I had spent all this time studying. I mean, I'm trying. I'm trying to summarize here. I spent all this time studying, looking at deals. But when it comes down to it, I'm not British, so I can't. And and they give visas for people to come work in England, but you need to be a, a cookie cutter. You need to be a a desk a desk whatever you want to call them, someone who works at a desk in a cubicle, whatever you need to be sponsored by a large corporation to come work in England. I spoke to a solicitor, which is a lawyer here. We call, they call them solicitors in England about my options for getting a visa. And they're like, you can't get it. They have like an entrepreneur visa, but, but property investors don't qualify for that. So not only I, it's very doable. You can set up your systems. You get a cleaner, you get, you get a maintenance person. You you don't have to be physically in Birmingham, England to have this rent to service accommodation business. You can manage it from, from internationally, which was my plan. But I had six months on my tourist visa to, to, to get stuff sorted out. I was three months in at this point. And it's like, am I going to risk all the money that I've worked my entire college career? My little nest egg that I have, am I going to risk all of it on one deal? Or am I going to I don't know, like try and come up with a a more like risk tolerant plan or a less risky plan. Sure. Like I could be making a thousand pounds a month, which would have been great. I would have been able to live off that. I would have been fine from that one deal. And I'm very confident, of course, before COVID that that one deal would have done that, but then I would have had to leave and I wouldn't be able to come back for another six months on the visa situation. So that there I am. I've been, I've been, this is now April or so and I've spent, I've learned so much. I've, I've had my heart rebroken and torn into bits and put back together through work and toil and, and learning. And I'm now obsessed with real estate. I, I, was, I was very interested in securities investing when I read margin of safety. I'd always been into that, but I never looked into real estate investing. And I realized that this is the way for most people who don't have a lot of money to build wealth because you can use money from the bank or you can, you can do deals like rent-a-service accommodation with no money down. Re- it, getting started with building wealth real estate is the best way to go, and I was pretty convinced of that at this point. But it was time for me to go home because I, my visa was going to run out, and I, I didn't want to run it out. I wanted, I actually went back and visited my friends later. I didn't want to run my time down. And I, I dissolved the Thomas Meyer Limited Company. I could probably bring it back up if I wanted to, but... Um, that was it. It was a great adventure. I met lots of people. I had awesome experiences. I grew so much. And then I, I got home. So let's see where we're at. We're probably at like, what, 40 minutes now. I'll try keep, I'm i to keep this under an hour, folks. All right. We're at 40, 45 minutes. All right. So we're almost there. So I got, I get home and now I don't know what I'm going to do. So my dad, I said, was a traveling jewelry salesman. He's a vendor salesman. So he'll go to um, different hospitals every sale. And set up his display and sell gold silver diamonds whatever that's what he's been doing for 30 years he's been very successful with it but his his systems were, were quite dated he had all of his accounts between all the hospitals he goes to in a book in a physical written book so i did some, I, some one of the examples of the tasks that i would do for him I, I didn't mention i'm starting to work for him now as like an apprentice so i can learn how his business worked is I took his entire book and I put it into Microsoft Excel. Just a very simple thing like that. But so now when he when he gets new information about his accounts, he can just use his cell phone to do that. I looked through all of his finances, his debt, his equity, everything he owned, everything he owed. And I and I like, gave him my observations, my advice about how to improve it. I systemize, I put it into Excel spreadsheets. And in addition to doing all this, I would go out by myself. He had a small display and then he had a big display. I would take his small display and go to corporations and sell jewelry. I sold probably something, I don't know, maybe around like $10,000 worth of jewelry over my tenure at his, his company. So I'm looking through his finances. I'm looking through his systems. I'm trying to find a way to, to use what I know about business through my entrepreneurship classes, my organizational capabilities, whatever you may to make his business as, um, as, as efficiently functioning as possible. I tried to, to offer value and create as much help as I can and learn along the way. And we had good conversations when him and I would go out and sell together. We'd have a blast. We'd be like talking to all the clients and stuff. It was great. So I was, I was working with him. So that's April, May, June. I worked with him. I did my own sales. I made, I made some decent money cause he would give me like, a 10% commission or something on, on money, on jewelry I would sell. So I made some good money, um, with sales that I would do myself. For example, he would be out one day and I'd be out with a small display and I would get, um, commissions from that. So yeah. Um, all all along i'm still trying to figure out how i'm going to become a full-time real estate investor. so what i did what i what i do i, I started looking into a different strategy again taught by samuel leeds called lease option agreements. now this is an, again another example of a way you can get into real estate with no money down. what you do is you find a distressed landlord, maybe they're underwater on their mortgage, meaning they're paying their their mortgage is worth more than their house is. you find someone who's again looking for that fixed payment. they don't they don't want to like Spend time working on the property. They just want their money. And you find someone, and you say, "I will. I will give you. Um, I'll pay your mortgage. I'll pay your your rent. Your property taxes. I'll pay for everything that you have associated with the property. So you don't have to worry about paying for this property or renting it ever, like ever again. And in addition to that, I'll give you maybe like a hundred bucks profit a month on top of that. So you'll get a cash flow. So like an investor is getting their hundred dollars a month cash flow. It's pretty good. It's like pretty typical. Um, in addition to that. I'll have a a lease option agreement. So it's like rent to own. I'll have the option to to buy your your home at the price we agree upon now. So it's again, another like a three to five year lease. So I'm leasing the property for whatever. I'll I'll give them, you know, $2,000 every month. And then I agree to pay to buy the property at 600 grand. So like, in 10 years or three years or five years, you hope that the value will go up and then you execute your option at that point. So that's that's a strategy I was looking at doing in New Jersey. Again, I just started calling for sale by owners, calling people who have their properties up Hey, my name is Ethan Shapiro. I'm a real estate investor uh, in New Jersey. I just wanted to see if I could come view your house. Uh, I started doing viewings with my friend Josh Strauss, who's a realtor. We we were talking about the strategy. He had never heard of it before. And there's people who, who do this, who get lease option agreements, who will get a contract to have right to manage the property for five years and also the right, but not the obligation to buy it at a fixed price in five years. So say in five years, the house that was worth 600 actually went down and was worth 585. I could just... Not execute my option, and that person would then have to take responsibility for the property again. So that's what I was doing in New Jersey while I was selling jewelry as well. At this point, I'm I'm almost fully recovered from the heartbreak stuff. I've spent so much time working and growing that I'm I'm at the point where I'm like kind of figuring out what I want to do with my life. Um, but Jersey just isn't for me. It's there's a mean culture. There's a fast-paced culture. There's a culture of dismay, you can smell it in the air. At least someone like me, who's who's been there for 18 years, you can smell it in the air. People are are unhappy. They're unhappy with their jobs. They're unhappy with their lives. And sure, lots of people are unhappy all around the country. I'm I'm making a broad generalization. And sure, maybe I, I make my own perceptions up in my mind, but I've lived there long enough to see it. It's just there's not that that happy oh, we're outside. It's Colorado. It's sunny. We can go hiking. We're happy. We're healthy. People eat very unhealthy in New Jersey. There it's all cramped together. Lots of different people. It's just not good. Um and there was no room for me to grow in my dad's business. Uh my mom works with him. We all we butt heads as you remember from the beginning of this. So it was fun while it lasted. I enjoyed my apprenticeship. I enjoyed what I learned. I enjoyed selling. I'd sold at this point I've sold probably, you know, tens of thousands of dollars worth of stuff when it comes to video games and jewelry and all my other possessions from New Jersey. So I, I understand how sales works, you know, I have a, a pretty good feel for it. I've sold lots of different things. So at this point I, I was I was having I was having fun talking to the landlords and trying to find a lease option agreement. But um I kept getting a little bit of a push to to like look into being a real estate agent. I'm like, I don't want to be a salesman. Like I'm selling jewelry. That's fine. Like I enjoy it, but I want to be financially free. I want to have $2,000 a month coming in and me be able to go swim in the pool every day or whatever, which, which I'm not, and you're naive and you don't realize that after a couple weeks of being free, maybe a year, whatever, like you're going to be looking for something to do. You're going to be looking for purpose. Even if you had all the money in the world right now, the, the journey is the destination in a sense. What you enjoy doing is what will keep you preoccupied. And I'm sure you're like, yeah, if you have a lot of money, you can do whatever you want. But you're going to end up working because work is what builds character. Builds, it builds you up. It turns a boy. Work is what turns boys into men as we go back to the beginning of the, the, the summer camp stuff. So... Time to leave New Jersey, July, 2019. I get everything I've got in my car. You know, I don't have too many possessions. I take the car, which was a gift from my parents. I'm very, very lucky. Let's just say I'm very lucky to be in the position I'm in. My parents have been fully supportive of me. I went to university. I went to high school. I had good work ethic. I was taught good things. I had good values. I was never abused at all. I just, I always wanted to do my own thing. That was who I am. The last thing that my parents gave me was my, was the car. I have a black 2007 Honda Accord. I took it across um, across the country. At this point, this is it. Like I, I'm i not supported by my parents anymore. It's on me to figure out what I'm gonna do. So I get to Boulder and I start looking for jobs, like traditional jobs. Like I had done this a couple times before. I'd, I'd done my resume and I really spruced it up and got it good and sent it in. But number one, I don't want to work for anyone else. I just you feel like you have to when you don't have any money and you're just on your own. You feel like you have to work for someone else and Um, what else? Like you feel you have to work for someone else and it's just like the path that's been put out in front of you. Everyone says, go on interviews, put your resume together. I started, I did it. I just, I'm not getting too much back. I had an interview for like a kid's like gym thing or something. But like I had like an interview for sunshare, which is like going door to door selling uh, solar access to the grid. Like I would have got that job, but like I would have been making, commissions, like baby commissions, like I would have been making like 15% per sale or something like that. Whereas real estate, it's like a hundred percent, something like that. Um, I just didn't, I still was like, not about going into real estate sales, but then I went and I talked to my old boss from the rec center. So I, I worked as a fitness technician fixing equipment, but my last semester at school, I worked as the f- facility supervisor. So I was the person who was in charge. Someone has a heart attack, whatever. Like I'm the first line of contact at the rec center. I went to go talk to my supervisor. and I'm like, Hey man, like I'm doing all this job applications. Like I'm back from Europe. I have all this like experience of just like, I know who I am and what I want to do. Well, I don't know if this is how it went, but I'm like I'm confused about what I should do with work. And one of the best pieces of advice that he gave to me, and this is very impactful, and I've thanked him for this multiple times. He said, "You've had several jobs, like over the years, we all have had. Think about," and he told me his story, of course. Think about what your favorite part of every job that you've had is. And I sat there, and I was like, "I'm thinking of all like these funny scenarios where like I had like a drunk guy at the rec who I had to like talk to and like help him out, and then like get him out of like the hockey area." And I had like. Situations where people would like crack jokes or i'd see people and then I realized people 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 That's what I love what I like What do I love about the morning show was providing content morning show from high school Providing content to the people making people laugh like doing things with people it's then that I realized that My work needs to be face to face. It's why I didn't like the youtube channel because I was just behind a screen all day long sure i'm behind a screen now but I'm going to be going out door to door. It looks like in 40 minutes here. And I'm getting in front of people because I love talking to people. People teach you things. People give you perspective. People give you relationships. And that's when I realized that I need to be a realtor because real, all realtors do is make connections with people and then help them out. That's, that's all I do. I provide value. I provide service. I'm always always trying to meet more people and have awesome experiences like I did in my other jobs damn so this story's been pretty long I didn't expect I was talk, thinking of talking about my business in this episode but I guess I'm just giving the rundown I don't know if anyone would be interested in watching this but maybe maybe someday people will if they're not right now um I think it's a cool story I guess everything that's going what's going on so uh, then I went on vacation and that's it. So it was time to get my real estate license. I'm going to be working with people. I love real estate. I love the opportunities I have. I can teach people what I know about becoming financially free through real estate. If you got 20% down, man, you're set. If you don't have 20% down and you're willing to put in the work like that, what I'm willing, like I was willing to do, do it for a year. You're going to have results. You'll find a lease option agreement. You'll find a rent to rent deal. You might lose money on your first deal. You might, but what you'll learn from work and from talking to landlords and stuff, cannot be put, I can't put a monetary value on it. It's so amazing to have work experience. And that's real experience, face-to-face negotiations with people. That's the real thing that will teach you how to be successful is, is real work. So I got all this stuff, searching for apartments in Boulder. So after I get back from my vacation, I was, after I get back from my family vacation where we went on a cruise, which is amazing, I'm, I had this point decided I'm going to get my real estate license. My path is now starting to become very clear, but we had one more little uh, shenanigans to get over with. I went back to Europe because I love my friends in Europe and my buddy Aslan, who I may have mentioned already, he's in Europe now. He's traveling in France. I mentioned that. He's out in Spangdalem, Germany, in a Western Air Force base in Germany. And, When to get your real estate license, you have to study, you have to take courses and you have to take an exam and pass. But am I going to go sit in a classroom again, or am I going to click through all my classes and and learn everything online? So I figured most people, it takes about three to three to four months, whatever, to get things done. They go through three weeks of whatever, eight weeks of classes or 12 weeks of classes, 15 weeks, whatever, maybe a semester. I did it all online. So I'm like, I'm going to do it online why don't I just go back to Germany and visit a salon? So now I move in with a salon. I fly from Boulder to Germany or from Denver to Germany, get picked up by him. And then every day I'm sitting in his house, just like learning, taking notes, reading the textbook, learning everything there is to know about the, you know, put, put, not put contracts, but like quarantine deeds and warranty deeds and, um, all, all these real estate terms that you, uh, you need to know, but I mean, the, the business itself is really just all people as I was planning to get into, but it seems like I don't have time to do it on this episode because we're at, um, cause we're already at an hour, but, um, just learning everything you need to know to be a realtor, to be a licensed realtor. So I spent all that time in Germany. Then I went to go visit with my friends in England one more time before going back. And that, that was the end of my travels. So now I get back to Boulder. I have no apartment. I have my friend my, my friend Scout lets me sleep on her floor. I finish the very last of the real estate course. I go, I get my license, I pass the exam, and I've been living on her floor. It sucks. I hate it. I have no place to live. I'm looking for apartments. Um, I haven't found anything. Finally, I find an apartment that starts November 1st of 2019. Really good deal. One of the best deals in town. I'm in it right now. It's amazing. I get a roommate for it. We, I get it all sorted out. And it's October third, so I've got almost a month left before I have a place to live. I've got my real estate license, so I spent this entire month uh, talking to different brokerages in town and studying which brokerage is going to be the best. I ended up picking Caldwell Banker because they're the, the they're the best brokerage in, in 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 the Colorado in the world. Perhaps they sell more real estate than any other company, and not to mention the tools that I have access to here are kind of un- unbeatable. Now when it comes to training, it may not be the very best, but I'm I'm trying to train myself as best I can. But the the something like the the CBX buyer profile which has data from decades of, of transactions which can actually use data based on who has bought houses in the past. To, to hone in on your buy, your specific buyer. So like if you have a five bed, three bed house with this many square feet and like a pool in this backyard, we can use data from people who have bought houses over decades to actually hone in and then use targeted ads to, to advertise specifically to um, someone who's most likely to um, to purchase your home. So there's tools like that that are exclusive to Coldwell Banker. We also have a real vitalized program because the company is so big, which allows us to actually lend Um, interest-free money to people who are selling with us to do renovations. So they can borrow like on my commission. So if my commission's six grand, they can borrow like five grand or six, sorry, six grand to like do up their house. And it'll just come out of the commission check at the end. Um, Sorry, I I might've been a little quick for you. But Cobalt Banker is is the best. And the culture in my office is just a culture of absolute niceness. Everyone's welcoming, warm, happy to be here, happy to be doing what they're doing. So that's how I chose Cobalt Banker. But where was I living? So I moved. I left Scout's floor because it was her her place. She needed her place back. Um, so one of the things I didn't sell um, when I sold all my stuff back when I first went to Europe was my tent. So October in Boulder, there was some snow. There was snow at the end. There was some uh, wind. There, there was definitely a lot of wind. We know about our, our fall wind in Boulder. I pitched a tent in my buddy's backyard, the same house where I had my heart, where my heart was broken, where I did all that work 40 hours a week. I, the guys let me come back in. I pitched a tent in the backyard. And for three weeks, I slept in a tent, learning about brokerages, learning about real estate, talking and networking with agents to get, to get some experience and figure out how I was gonna do this business. I lived in a tent and it was in this tent where I realized if I was going to work, there was gonna be need to be meaning behind my work. And I, I, mean, I wasn't super hyped about sales, but now I am because I, I realized like working with people is awesome. And that's like my favorite thing. And that's why I love this job. And that's, I'm able to do stuff like this where maybe someone will watch this, maybe people won't, but I'll always have this record of me doing this podcast. But, um, I've always been really concerned about, about the climate, but more so in the last couple of years than ever, because the evidence is just overwhelming. And the, the time frame is getting smaller and smaller and smaller to make a difference. So the, the, I, I read the millionaire real estate agent, which is the foundation for my business model, which I was going to go over in this podcast, but I just don't think it's, it's the right time. I'll have to make a, a video about that, but I knew I was going to be a success. I knew I was going to work until I was a success because there was nothing else to, to do. It's, this is my job. This is what I do. And I have a a platform. I have a, um, a, um, I have a specific system that's been utilized by ugh, literally hundreds or thousands of other agents who have done the exact same thing that I'm doing and I've had great success. So I know that if I can hit these metrics, if I can talk to this many people and advertise to this many people, I'll get this many sales and at this price point. So I love having it organized and systemized so I can actually project projections is the word I was looking for how much I'm going to make, how much I'm going to do. And when I started looking into it and seeing if I just do this amount of work, I'll make this million dollars in this amount of time. All I have to do is just follow the steps that other agents have done in the past. I was blown away. And it's like, what am I going to do with all this money when I get it? And the answer is is pretty simple is you're going to use it to help people. I mean, like that that's who I am. Like if we go back to the beginning, I liked throwing parties. I liked working hard. I liked creating value for people through a morning show or through an amazing event that we'll never forget, a social event. I, I really believe in enlightened self-interest I believe that creating value for others and, and doing well for others and creating amazing experiences for others is what leads you to be happy and you to be successful so that's another reason to be in real estate is all you're doing is facilitating um, success for other people with their biggest financial um, asset so how could I how could I save the world by doing what I do. And it was really simple. If I'm going to make this much amount of money, I can just change my projections to figure out what I need to live, what I need to be successful and invest. But then the other half we needed to, I need to find a way to stop the impending climate catastrophe. The average, the, I think it was over the last 22 years that has had the, the 21 hottest years in history. We are at an existential moment. I don't know if existential is the right word. We are at a crossroads of humanity. If we don't fundamentally change the way we act right now, there will be no way to act. The entire world, the civilization, the globalization, all the success, all the happiness and love in the world will be destroyed by our own folly. We need to make a change. And I am a salesman. I'm a people person. I'm a hard worker. I am not a scientist. I cannot get in there and figure out all the exact things we need to do to uh, fix the climate. Now, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of ways to to make it better, but my idea is, I'm, if I'm going to be successful in business and make a lot of money, I'm going to I'm going to use it to make an impact. So that's why 50% of all my profits are donated to organizations dedicated to fighting climate change. I want to. I, I always want to be successful. Again, hardworking, determined. I want to be the best. I want to be better than everyone else. I want to win at a disadvantage. You know, I'm a young guy. There's lots of older realtors in town. I am, I'm fighting at a disadvantage every day. I go out. There are literally dozens of other agents people could choose, but they're gonna choose me because I'm gonna work harder than anyone else. I'm gonna. I'm gonna provide the best service, the most personalized service. We're gonna have fun together. I'm gonna be nice, uh, more than nice. I'm gonna provide. Uh, just um, an experience unlike any else can offer because it's just the way I am. I'm going to be, it's going to be different. It's going to be unique. It's going to be fun. It's going to be lighthearted. It's going to be serious it's all at all the same time. And then beyond all that, you can take solace in the fact that not only are you choosing the best agent in Boulder, but you're choosing someone who is completely committed to, to saving the planet from the most devastating threat we've ever seen. There's horrible things going on all around the U.S. We're in a huge state of turmoil. The virus is an absolute disaster. But we're talking about something that can completely destroy the entire human race. It's possible. We've we've had threats like nuclear war in the past. This is very serious in the sense that we can directly change our actions and fix it. <sighs> all right. That was... As we're not more than an hour. We're at an hour and five minutes now. I'm sorry I've been take, talking about the time every time, but I'm trying to keep these down to an hour so it's actually like digestible. That is Ethan Shapiro, the climate change realtor. That's my whole background. That was probably very aggressive. I'm sorry. That's just the way I am. I hope it was a little fun. I hope it was cool. Um, I sell real estate now, I've been doing it for a little more than six months. Um, Thank you for tuning in to Changing the Climate, a show about where we change about the changing world around us and how we can make it better. Now, that was my little tagline, but the show is really more about giving people who have a passion, a platform, to talk about what they're passionate about and their background. So this was my episode. This is my background. Um, I want to really make it clear. I fundamentally... the I really believe in what i'm doing i i would l- try to th- come up with a way to fight the climate crisis while at the same time building myself up and giving myself success in life and this seemed to be the most sense because i can just add that donation into my projections so i need to work twice as hard i need to talk to twice as many people to get the money for me but in reality i'm probably just going to take this money and reinvest it into my business so we can do- get then donate more money The idea is to get to the point where I'm donating a few million dollars a year to to organizations that are dedicated to fighting climate change. And in addition to that, to have more people doing what I'm doing to build the climate change realty brand and spread it at least around the U S to start. I have, I've plans to perhaps move to Portland. If this, if this pilot goes well in Boulder, I'm putting in the work I'm going to, I'm it's going to work. I'm it's just a matter of, of how much market share I can get in Boulder realistically. And then I want to get to the point where I'm able to donate a lot of money. If we're getting five, if in five years I'm able to donate $5 million to fight climate change, like who knows what that money could, this could be the difference between 1.8 degrees and, and 1.85 degrees, which doesn't sound like much, but these targeted actions will really make a big difference. Oh, okay. So that is, wow. I talked for an hour. I, I, I can do it. I guess <laughs> I didn't know I could do it. I mean, I had the idea, but I wasn't sure about this episode, but this is episode four of uh change the climate by Ethan Shapiro. Um, the last thing is I just wanted to recommend, uh, some books I just wrote down. So there's buy low rent high by Samuel Leeds. This'll talk about just basic real estate investing strategy. He does it in England, but it's very uh, relevant here. It's a little, it's a little better in England, the England real uh, property investment market, a little more simple, more terraced houses, less, less everything in us is big, big, big energy, big things. It's a little more complicated, bigger houses. Um, Yeah. So um, how to buy um, and how to invest in real estate with low and no money down by Brandon Turner. I'll include this in the description. Um, Principles by Ray Dalio. Really great book. Just finished that. Uh, Start with why I didn't get a chance to talk about that in this video that much, but that that's kind of what led me to the climate change stuff is um, Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why, that businesses are successful because they know why they're doing what they're doing. They have a purpose. So my purpose isn't just make a lot of money. It's make a lot of money to save the world from, the, from destruction. So that's meaningful to me. It's, I've got, my, I've got my, motivator, my motivators over there of love, connection, and self-fulfillment. Uh, so I'm motivated by a love for the planet and keeping everyone alive. I want to connect with lots of people and I want to be fulfilled in my work. So those are the three motivators that keep me in real estate and keep me doing what I do. Um, the One Thing by Gary Keller, same thing. It's like, what's the one thing that you need to do every day? Not the same thing and start with why. What's the one thing you need to be doing every day to, to make your business grow? And with that, it's uh, prospecting, which means going door to door, which I have to get ready to go and do right now. Um, then there's the book on rental property investing. This is a fantastic book for a real estate investor. This is a book by Brandon Turner, Man, I don't know. You might have to slow down this podcast to keep up with me. I'm talking pretty fast. Um, it just goes through every little detail on investing in rental properties. So I know all of this. I really um, internalized this book. This is a book. If you don't know how to invest at all in real estate and you want to do it in the U.S., this gives you a step by step by step by step of everything you'll need to know. It's a fantastic book. Totally forgot about it. Haven't uh, haven't thought about it in more than a year. And then of course margin of safety and then rule 1 investing by Phil Ta- by Phil Town is similar to margin of safety it talks about how to value invest but it's he, he, Phil Town's is a simple guy he breaks it down in a very simple way. Those are the books those are some books I recommend. I'm going to release another book review soon on um um Rich Dad Poor Dad. I'll probably put that out maybe next weekend or today, I don't know. Probably next weekend. Um, which is another book that Noah Shields recommended to me that teaches you how to think about money and how to understand how assets and liabilities work. Um, and yeah, so that's Ethan Shapiro's episode. We'll, uh, we'll probably leave it at that. Ho- I, hopefully I won't have, I won't be doing another episode like solo again. That's my whole story. I rambled for an hour plus telling you everything you'd kind of, need to know, about my last few years of life. Whew. All right. Well, thank you all for tuning in. Um, Expect some, again, some climate change content coming up. I'm going to be having people talking about the climate crisis on this show very soon. It will be, uh, it is business focused. I have it in like, I have the podcast in like society and culture. because I do want to have like relevant discussions about society, but business is really important. It it sets your foundation for your life. If you don't have a successful career, you can't really do what you want. So that's why I've been, I spent, this is my journey to figuring out how, how I'm how to do it how to find a career for me and i I, i'm done guys like i you can hear like all the different things and changes and it seems like it hasn't been that long like i'm this is it like i'm a real estate agent like i'm building a real estate business it's simple you do a b c d now it's simple doesn't mean it's easy there's emotional turmoil with this like i have to come in and do this podcast this is a part of my business now this was really fun but i wasn't like super hyped about coming in here and talking for an hour and 10 minutes now at this point but you, I, I know what to do, but you just have to do it and doing it can be hard. Sometimes you have things going on. People don't believe in you. People put you down. People are mean. People are nice. It's it's a wild roller coaster like life. And, but this is it. Like I'm not going anywhere. I'm not stopping. I'm not done. I'm not done until we donate like $5 million in a year, which means my GCI will have to be like nine to 10 million. Um, which is, Un, it's impossible in boulder it have to be it have to be all around the country that's what brokerages like Cowell banker and keller williams and remax they pull in money like that and that's what we need to do and we need i need to inspire more people to do some similar stuff like this i'm on a ticking time clock this next decade is is my time to get my stuff together figure out how i'm going to do things and I've, I've got it figured out i've got a plan and to um use use what i'm doing to make sure we have another ten years, I want to have a kid when in ten years, I want to be able to have a family and go out and have a good time. And with the way things are going now, with the just the, the crazy carbon emissions that are going on, if we reach two and a half degrees Celsius of warming, that's it, guys. Like this is real. Like there's no there's no there's no more YouTube. There's no more Broadway shows. There's no more hikes. There's, you need to find water. We're back in the wild and there's millions and billions of people competing against you. Society will, will break down if we have the level of, of destruction that could come from global warming um, at that extent. So we should, be, we, should be, um, we should be good because there's not just me doing stuff like this. There's, mil- there's probably thousands of others doing something similar and I plan to connect with them and hopefully get them on the show. That's my ramble. That's my Ethan Shapiro episode. Thank you all so much for tuning in. If you have anyone looking to buy or sell in Boulder, Colorado, it would be my absolute pleasure to assist them. I am fully qualified and fully ready with the best tools in the real estate industry to do this. And it will be my absolute pleasure. So thank you all for tuning in. Have a nice day. 2012.